Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 52 for Saturday, May 18th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Ray Estrada. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been a while. It, yeah, I mean, we say that every time, but it has been. Yeah. We are going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to be doing a uh, a half and half episode. So half of this podcast is going to be fantasy baseball, and the other half is going to be just you know our normal uh, conversation about the game. We're going to be talking about the difference between college and pro baseball and discussing a lot of aspects of that. So if that's more your speed, that'll be in the second half of the show, if you want to skip ahead to that. But we're going to start off by talking fantasy baseball, because we haven't done that in ages, and there's a lot of player news and just a lot of you know really interesting things to look at by this point in the season now where we have a very substantial sample size to look at with all these players. So we're going to start with that right now. Bef- uh, before we do... Go to our Instagram at BeatTheShiftBP and check out our most recent post. We did a stat game for all of you to answer. We played it on the show before, but if you want to go ahead and see if you can guess the right answer to that, go ahead and check that out on our Instagram. Let's go ahead and start, though. Do you want to go ahead and take us through the uh, the most recent call-ups? Yeah, so as I said, it's been a while since we've talked fantasy. Uh, there's been some, you know, high-profile rookies who have been called up. Nick Senzel, Austin Riley, uh, Brendan Rodgers, Casanera. Um, yeah, so just, you know, kind of pick any of those names. Who are you most looking forward to? And who do you think uh, people should be looking to pick up these rookies? I think all of them should be owned by now. If they're not already, people were jumping at the opportunity to pick these these are high profile prospects some of the like some guys that you'll see called up throughout the year are you know top within the organization or you know showing promise at different levels these are all guys who are certainly in the top 50 some of these guys even higher up in the, the MLB prospect rankings uh, Nick Zell's been up the longest of these ones uh, so he's kind of old news by now but he's of course very good going into the season he was supposed to uh, to have a starting role in center field, and that was set back by uh, an injury right at the beginning of the year in spring training. So he's up now. He's playing center field every day. He's leading off, and he's phenomenal. He steals bases, he hits for power, and he's doing it now. Uh, he's not off to a slow start at all. So Nixon Zell is probably close to a top 10 second baseman for me already. He doesn't play second base but he has eligibility there. And for outfields, he's already probably in, like, close, like, around the top 30 range. Probably, you know, that that's a very good outfielder. So uh, he is leading the pack here. And then some of the more recent ones, Austin Riley for the Braves, uh, who's going to have third base and outfield eligibility. He's destroying, or he was destroying the minor leagues. In this month of May, I think he has, I think he has thirteen homers in in yeah, the month of May. Thirteen and eighteen games. Yeah. So, and and one of them in the big leagues already. He did it in his first game. So mm-hmm. he is, you know, of course, going to be a stud. I don't think he's going to be moved anywhere 
or lose playing time, even when Inciarte's back, uh, they'll find ways to work around that. Uh, Nick Marquez is old. He's not going to play every day. So, um, Austin Riley is probably the second best of these prospects just because he's so incredibly hot right now. Um, Keston Hira is a very good profile for the Brewers. Travis Shaw has been awful. He's on the DL right now, the IL. Still haven't gotten used to that. And uh, Keston Hira, UCI guy from my hometown, uh, or at <laughs> least played college ball there. He is definitely a better pure hitter than than some of these guys. Um, maybe not Sinzel, but he is probably going to, to keep that role because he's a consistent bat. I think he already has two multi-hit games uh, with the Brewers. So, you know, he's uh, he's a very safe prospect as, as far as they come. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, very high upside. The Rockies haven't been hitting anything and they've needed production at second base uh ryan mcmahon has not gotten it done and rogers is gonna start there for a while that's the good thing about all these players coming up is they're coming up with an established role right off the bat you don't have to worry about playing time so rogers right there with them in that regard and then of course they're on the road right now but when he gets to Coors field we'll see what he can do um with that upside one other prospect who is called up, who I want to mention just because of the uh, consistent playing time that I mentioned all these other guys have, is Nicky Lopez of the Royals, who you've probably never heard of. I'd never heard of him before a week ago, and he is really impressive in a lot of ways. He's playing second base for the Royals every day now. Uh, it was a shortstop coming up, but he is he's a contact hitter, he gets on base a lot in on base leagues a huge bump in the minor leagues was walking his his walk to strikeout rate is unbelievable he walks more than three times as much as he strikes out and he will run a little bit he steals bases um and he just hits he's hot right now so you know i would go ahead and take a flyer on him too all right yeah so sounds like all these guys are guys you should have not just yeah. keep an eye on. Um, so let's move on to some injury news. Uh, we'll start with the happy injury news, guys who are coming back from injury. Um, Trey Turner, who is coming back from a finger injury. Aaron Hicks, uh, season debuted last week. Um, been out with a bad back. Matt Olson uh, broke his hand early in the season, spring training. Buster Posey. And Steven Matz. Uh, so kind of just run through those and your thoughts on them. Well, I mean, Turner's back. All the Turner owners can rejoice. I'm thrilled that he's back, and he doesn't look like he's missed a step. Uh, Aaron Hicks is not leading off so far, which he probably will once more the Yankee bats come back. I think he was hitting third today. Um, but he's he's pretty consistent and reliable at this point as far as outfielders go. Um, Olsen, same for power. Buster Posey, the catcher's an awful position. You know, you want Posey. And then Steven Matz is interesting. He's had a really up-and-down year. Uh, he, of course, had that one blow-up outing where he gave up, like, 10 earned runs in the first inning and didn't make it out of the inning. But otherwise, he's been pretty usable, and I would pretty much only use him against bad matchups, though. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, now let's turn to the guys who 
have just gotten injured. Miguel Andujar officially out for the season, right shoulder surgery. Um, I believe I remember when he first went down, he was done for the season, and then he came back, and then he wasn't good, and then he got hurt again. Is yeah, that that's pretty. You summed it up. Yeah, uh, the Yankees <laughs> will miss him, but not nearly as much as we thought. Gio Urshel has been a very good fill-in. Uh, not really fantasy relevant though. Okay, um, <laughs> Mitch Garver. Uh, who is very good, as you mentioned, catcher is a very weak position. Very fantasy relevant, yes. (laughs) Very fantasy relevant. Top in the lineup, catcher. How many times outside of John Jaso have you seen a catcher lead off? Um, He is out two to three weeks with, I forget what what happened to him. Uh, It's a high ankle sprain for him. It was uh, Shohei Otani slid into home plate and uh, Ah. caught him in the ankle. So... Mitch Garver is very. This is a very good buy high, buy high. Yeah, this is. I guess it is a buy high opportunity because he's been hitting like crazy. But you could get him for a little bit of value because you know some people, um, you know, don't want to hold on to a catcher on their their IL spot. But if I'm being honest, I would take no product. Well, maybe not in a weekly league, but in in you know roto leagues or points leagues. I would take Mitch Garver, who's going to miss three weeks of production, and just mash the rest of the time he's back over any of the the not-so-good catchers that he's competing with. I, I don't know what it is that he's doing differently. This He's just crushing the ball. He has nine home runs this season, and the Twins catchers as a whole, as a unit, between him and Astadio and Castro, are the best catching position in baseball it's it's amazing <laughs> uh they definitely lead in home runs um out of the catcher spot and in a lot of other categories too so garver is legitimate in terms of his batted ball profile um not that he's like a 40 home run guy now but he's uh he's definitely a top 10 catcher for me maybe top eight even so that's worth owning. I would I would take the hit with him on the D uh, him on the IL for just you know two to three weeks. It's just an ankle sprain. He should be back full strength by then. Okay, and the last guy you have listed here, uh, Michael Conforto is down with a concussion. Um, I may be remembering wrong, but he's had concussions before, hasn't he? Mm, you might be remember because I don't remember. If if yeah. it was it was not I forget. any it was not in recent years. Um I don't think Conforto, so. yeah, it was a collision with an out with an infielder on a pop up. But it Communication does, kids. Yeah. Make sure you call it. Do you call, call ball it. or do you call I got it, I got it, by the way? I call ball because that makes Okay. I call I got it's it. It's easier. Yeah, you're just confusing. <sighs> Alright. I don't know. I don't have time for this right now. Uh but Conforto <laughs> Uh, hopefully it's not a it's not a lingering issue. I know concussions are tricky, but that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, he was having a very good season. I I would even have considered him a little bit of a buy low candidate because he was flying under the radar for a lot of people. So, uh, kind of unfortunate. All right, and yeah. So last bit of injury news: guys who are not quite back, guys. Um, so, guys, as you say, on the mend. Um, we'll start with Eloy Jimenez, the 
White Sox outfielder working his way back. Um, so what, what? What's your thoughts on him? Love him. I'd still rather have him than all the all the other call ups other than Senzel. Uh, and that was close for me at the beginning of the season too, Eloy and Senzel. All right, Jose Altuve. Um, again, I can't remember what these guys went down with because I didn't do research. But <laughs> Jose Altuve coming back. I believe it was just a just a hamstring for him. Buy low if you yeah. can. If anybody is panicking about the little red IL ten indicator next to his name, then you have only probably a few days left to do anything about that. And he's also not really been hitting um, since that home run tear he went on in April. So mm-hmm. see if you can get the James, man. Yeah. Next guy, James Paxson for the Yankees, uh, was shoving before he went down with uh, – this one, I remember, was his knee. Um, so he's on his way back. Hopefully he returns to – he comes back in the form that he was in. Um when he went down yeah top 15 starting pitcher yeah uh jimmy nelson this is i believe all the way back from was it shoulder or tommy john surgery oh man i it was a major (laughs) arm surgery yeah yeah it's hard to remember when he was out for a long time did he miss all of last year most of last year i think okay in any case uh, he 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 had had delays in his rehab jesus and now is pitching well in rehab assignments i think he just pitched at triple a most recently um and the brewers definitely need another starting pitcher so once he's ready he will be back and he was really good before he went down with all those injuries so mm-hmm. yeah he if he's not owned i would um i would pick him up Everybody's looking for starting pitching help. So, yep. And then the last guy here, the Angels, Andrew Heaney, mm-hmm. uh, another team that needs some starting pitching help. So yeah, that, it's yeah. the same same advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it for the injury news. Um, we'll go to what I mean. You you named a segment. Rank them. Uh, so there's a list of five guys. Um, I'll have you ranked them. I'll put in my two cents as well. Yeah, well, my... I, well I'm gonna. You're gonna read these guys. I didn't make this clear. Um, you're gonna t- read these uh, these groups of five players, and I'm gonna attempt to rank them, and we'll each do so and see where we differ. How about that? Okay. All right. So the first list. Uh, let's just go with you know, best hitters in baseball. Yes. Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout. Mookie Betts and Alex Bregman. You can go first on this one. You're you're supposed to say rank them, but no. Um, (laughs) The instructions were not made clear to me. They they were not. I would still go Trout, Betts. I would go Bellinger, then Yelich, then Bregman. That's that's all. all. I know you probably have a different answer. I have a different answer. Yeah, I'm going with you know more of a right now approach. I'll go Bellinger, Yelich, Trout. It pains me to put Trout third. Bregman and then Betts. That's more of a right now approach. So you, I know you, you like Yelich more, uh, more than Mike Trout longer. right now? Currently. And it's not by much. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> it's That's interesting. Again, without the numbers in front of me. I Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, I think if somebody... If I'm, 
Somebody if offered doing... me Christian Yelich for Mike Trout. If I was a Mike Trout owner, I would not trade for Christian Yelich, right? The the the, the long term list might look different, but um, right now I think Yelich is a hotter hitter. Yeah, I know you're a dog, you're a you're a huge Bellinger fan, so there's no talking you down yes. from that one. He's also very, very good right now. Yeah, let's hit the next group of uh, stud hitters. Next one, Adalberto Mondesi, Trey Turner, George Springer, Joey Gallo, and Jose Ramirez. Rank them. There you go. Mm, this this is a, a difficult one. I would go Trey Turner. I would go Mondesi in any in any league that. Actually, this is for any leagues that value stolen bases as a category so road or head-to-head um turner mondesi springer ramirez gallo i'm going i agree with you turner mondesi at the top because i think we've seen in any league that has stolen bases because there's such a disparity in you know guys who who steal bases guys who don't in the major leagues it's such a valuable tool for fantasy mm-hmm. so turner mondesi i'm gonna go ramirez springer gallo that's fair uh that was a close one for me i'm gonna do impromptu round two here with with uh points leagues or any anything that involves like on base percentage it's points leagues basically so <laughs> i'm gonna rank them for that now i it'll be very different too i will still go Springer, first this time. Uh, so Ramirez not still going. You're, you're... Um, well, ahead Springer ahead of Ramirez. I would go Springer, Ramirez, Gallo, and then Turner and Mondesi. Simply because of on base. Yes. I think okay. yeah. I I don't know. That's there's there's <laughs> more to it than just walks, but it's a big factor. So. Yeah, I mean Gallo okay. gets a huge bump in in points. Also, he's been incredible this year. Like he's in in points leagues, he's a top twenty player for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to the next uh, quintet: Cattell, Marte, Tommy Listella, Byron Buxton, Hunter Dozier, and Yandy Diaz. Rank them. I did. I did it quiet that time. Yeah, you did. It was weird. I um, did. <laughs> I keep gonna on your say, toes. I'm gonna go Marte, Dozier, uh, Diaz, Buxton, Listella. Okay, these are guys I don't have a whole lot of experience with, um, so my list is very uninformed. Okay. Um. What was your list again? Okay, I, th- I think <laughs> if it's going to be that uninformed, then I don't know about that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you a pass on that one. I will say Listella cool. gets a huge bump in points leagues as well. I would go... Tommy, I, I, I refuse to believe this is the actual Tommy Listella. Tommy Listella is probably my favorite baseball player of the past week. Uh, he's he's incredible. He's, he's it's, as hot as anybody that unreal. I've ever seen. There's no other way to put it. You can look this at this. Can't the, be the actual Tommy Listella. You're right. He he is just crushing the ball. There's no luck to it. It's just he is seeing the ball incredibly well. 
He still walks more than he strikes out. His strikeout rate is minuscule. And that that part will probably continue because that's what he's always done. But he's hitting the ball in the air now. He, he only has two doubles, but 11 homers. <laughs> I and, did not know that stat. And, he's only, and his BABIP is only 247. Oh, my God. So he's, he's piecing the ball up right now and still should be hitting better than he is. He's got a 247 BABIP and a 299 batting average. So, wow. Yeah. Tommy Lestella is pretty – he, if he's not owned, you have to own him because he's as hot as anybody. And once yeah, it stops, he's, it's He's fine. forced his way to the leadoff spot. Yeah, he's not – He's the Angels don't have anybody <laughs> knocking on the door. Tommy Lestella is going to play every day and hit leadoff. So, yeah. there you go. Um, all right, all right. We're gonna do pitchers, and this will go a little bit faster than we did with the hitters, and then get on to the rest of the show. Okay, Sale, Scherzer, Bauer, Kershaw, and Degrom. I will go Scherzer, Sale, Degrom, Bauer, Kershaw. I will go Scherzer. Sale, Bauer, DeGrom, Kershaw. Interesting. DeGrom just got lit yeah. up by the Marlins for the second time that is why. Season? That is why. I don't want to panic too much, but he said, you know, some un-DeGrom-like outings uh, this year. So is Bauer. Yeah, Bauer so is Bauer. Gave, Bauer just gave up seven in runs too. All right. Um, next, next little bunch. Next little bunch: Aaron Nola, uh, Luis Castillo, Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Ranke, and Herman Marquez. I will go Nola, Ryu, Castillo, Granky Marquez. Give me Ryu, Nola, Granky Castillo, and, and Marquez. See that? I thought my take of having Ryu second was as a decently hot take but you take Ryu over all of them huh yeah Ryu is unbelievably hot right now um I can't remember the last time he gave up a run but it wasn't in his last two starts he flirted with no hitter um and yeah he is dominated I think oh, shoot I can't remember what the stat was but it was something of a less than two ERA for over a significant amount of time it's it's weird. Uh, I, I, I know I said I'd go faster, but with Ryu, it, it's <laughs> weird because there's nothing in his his arsenal or in his profile that points to the success. He's just doing it. Like he doesn't have elite his fastball is, velocity his pi- or like no. a devastating changeup or slide. Like secondary pitches are like good. He throws probably a consistent three pitch mix, but he's just locating everything and getting everybody out. His pitches do rate very well, though. Yeah, he's not striking um, out fastball, like an insane number of batters either. No. It's pretty his fastball standard. is surprisingly highly rated as a pitch. Um, I think it might have been the like fifth or sixth best in baseball in 2018. It's got to be because uh, his his command is just elite. Yeah, so that that's taking a huge step. But you know, I'd still much I I would say Castillo over Ryu too, other than the fact that. You know, the Dodgers are a better team and better defense and a lot of, you know, other 
surrounding Actually, reasons. But I think Luis Castillo not a great defense. Is, I think Luis Castillo <laughs> has better stuff. And there's things that you point at with like all of these other pitchers as to why they're so good. But with Ryu, I, I just can't. I just don't know. But he's doing he's it. He's just good. He's just doing it. All right, one more group of pitchers. One more group of pitchers. Matt Boyd, uh, Frankie Montas, Domingo Hermon. Um, why can't I Caleb remember who Smith. Smith is? Caleb Smith. I thought he was a hitter for some reason. And Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll go Caleb Smith, Matt Boyd, um, Kyle Hendricks, this is a hard one. Domingo Herman, Frankie Montas. I think I agree with that list. Okay. Yeah, that was a tough one at the end there. Uh, they're all very good and were not expected to be this year. That's what they all have in common. So let's let's go ahead and wrap up the, the fantasy talk then there. Hopefully that was helpful or just mm-hmm. at least entertaining in some way. I, I don't know. Uh, we're doing our best with that. I'll have rankings updates on our website soon so go to beattheshiftbaseball.com slash fantasy to see all our our fantasy stuff which is pretty much all stuff that i work on so um yeah if you have questions to ask us and we'll answer them so yeah we're gonna move on to i guess like the second half of this show it wasn't exactly an even split i'll probably put a timestamp to where this part starts but we're gonna talk today about just the difference in play between the college level and the pro level the major league level more specifically because well the two of us watched a college game yesterday this is a division two college game but very high level of this is like the the regional championships these are very good college baseball teams playing here and when I was watching the game, it was such your prototypical, in my in my eyes anyway, your prototypical college baseball game, where you see lots of small ball, you see, I don't know, it's just there's there's bunts, there's there's hustle doubles, there's, um, I mean they're they're not nearly as good, so of course there's mistakes being made on each side that are capitalized on, uh, more so than in the major leagues. It's a totally different viewing experience um i guess generally i'll just ask first which which one do you prefer watching do you prefer watching major league baseball or Um, college baseball i don't know if i've ever had this thought because i just like watching baseball in general yeah but um but you watch a lot of college baseball on tv i do watch a lot of college baseball world series and all that so yeah i mean I guess I go out of my way more to watch college baseball, if that helps answer the well, question. I guess. I well, that's partly because you kind of have to go out of your way if you want to watch college baseball. Uh, you know, that's. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I, I guess I'll rephrase it. I'll rephrase it in like, which play style do you find more visually appealing? That's harder. As I feel like. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't make it easier. <laughs> no. Because it's... I mean, we're going to talk about why it's two very different games. Um, I don't know. I'm, given that, say, there's a pro game on and then there's a college game on at the same time, I, f- I might lean college game. 
interesting all right well we're, we'll break down each aspect of these games yeah. and then by by the time we discuss it you'll probably have a clear answer in your head because right now my initial impression my reaction is that i much rather watch an mlb baseball game because you just hate buns oh well let's let's get into it now okay because <laughs> first of all i do hate bunts. i'm not going to deny that um <laughs> And I'm not a bandwagon bunt hater. I, this is from personal experience that I hate bunting. Ever since Trey Turner got hit on the hand, well, this that didn't year, help either. You hated bunts. <laughs> yeah, if no other reason to avoid injury to to your knuckles or wrists or hand areas when you move your hands up the bat to bunt, that's that's reason enough for me not to want to bunt. So there you go. That it, it it's really not the entirety of it, but. It's definitely a case in my favor. So, like I said, this game we watched yesterday, there was one inning where they had a, a rally going, and they they must have laid down at least three bunts in that inning, right? Two of them were yeah. pretty perfect bunts, I will say, uh, which is, you know, a perfect bunt, of course, is going gonna, is gonna to make the case that, oh, bunting's good, look at that, it works. These bunts were legitimately like three or four inches from from the third base line and the perfect speed and like the pitcher had to field them like third baseman didn't even have to play. Of course those bunts are going to be good, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a numbers game. It's a percentage game when you're playing bunting too, just like, just like hitting, I guess it's a higher percentage success <laughs> rate of laying down a successful bunt. Is it? It's, I, I think it's somebody. Yeah. Somebody's done research on this. I think I, listened to this on effectively wild before um like the if if you were this was bunting into the uh, into the shift though or against the shift that's different it's different so i don't want to cite anything that's unrelated but tell me why is there something visually appealing about the bunt to you or is it just that like you like the idea of it it's the idea of it it's strategy it's you know the chess game of of baseball and i think you know talk about the differences is that in the major leagues everybody essentially who made the who makes major leagues was a power hitter when they were in um high school and maybe college maybe some guys didn't hit many home runs in in college tommy listella was a power hitter in college um no not interested (laughs) i don't know but but i think um I mean, we watch a Division Two game, and I mean, you consider all the guys who play in Division One and Division Two. How many of those guys are going to make even say Double A, and with with their hitting? So I think that's just why they punt a lot more because I think it is a higher percentage. You can argue exactly how high the percentage is, but it's a higher percentage than trying to get a hit. I um, that way. Uh, so I think college lends itself to more small ball because it's not the it's not the best of the best at that level yeah it's it's true i mean yeah when you know in you're in little league and little timmy in the nine hole comes up and he hasn't swung and made contact on a ball all season and you tell him hey you can try to bunt for a hit here it might be easier just stick the bat there and see if the ball hits it um you know of course that's gonna happen i'm exaggerating greatly i know 
even nine hitters in D2 college are still very good hitters. But I see what you mean when when he's a guy hitting probably like, you know, around 220 and not even lower against like very good, like high caliber pitching, then that's, you know, it's questionable um, whether or not he's, you'd rather have him roll the dice and trying to get hit. But the fact is that sacrifice bunting in general bugs me so much because you're conceding an out just to move the base runners up in hopes of, you know, chipping away at a team. Like, you're in such a high-pressure, high-leverage situation as on offense when you have runners on first and second that I can't, I can't justify having any sort of formidable hitter lay down a sacrifice bunt, you know, because you're going to be out. Especially, like, it, you know, sometimes they, they do the old, oh, like, drag bunt, um show last second to try to get a hit from it as well but so often you'll see teams college teams especially you know get the first first runner or first two runners on and their two or three hitters bunting like why that it bugs me so much that you concede an out just to put the runner in scoring position and if you want to make that argument and it's like well you know they're they're not as likely to get a hit because they're they're college players. Well, the college pitchers are not major league pitchers either. You know, it, it, the level of competition moves at the same the same rate, so to speak. So, you know, that's it's not necessarily an argument um, that that I really find too valid. The thing is, though, I don't. I mean, I don't see a lot of you know three, four hitters bunting. It, they're not really bunting they those do, guys. Those... They they do in college. Like okay, you never see it in the major leagues nowadays, right? Which is good, in yeah. my opinion. In college baseball, it's still very much a thing where you have your two or three hitter sacrifice bunting. It's it's your two hitter. Very... I, I I don't think the three hitter is that common anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's. Just on average, because a three you know? hitter is is supposed to be your best hitter. <laughs> well, actually, your two hitter should be your best hitter, but that's a different point. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the point is, uh, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. The point is, I don't like the idea of conceding an out, even if it might like statistically make a little bit better of a case. Even though at the major league level, it clearly doesn't because it's so analytics driven now. And if bunting were the solution to to all these like run scoring equations then teams would do it um but even in college i would much rather see my guys make an honest effort to try to get on base or not make an out you know get a hit draw a walk do something like that then then get themselves out that's that's me that's my it's my argument um, yeah i think I, I mean it all comes down to like I think people like you are the mindset they really value every single out, and um, I mean the, basically the thing is if you have a, I mean I'm of the I mean bunt when it comes to bunting you don't bunt with one out you can you don't concede that second out because then you need a hit to get a guy in, but if you can get a guy to second third and even the next side grounds out that's that's a run, um, but yeah I think it's just kind of different valuation of certain aspects of the game yeah it's definitely a uh, different perspectives for sure uh 
let's let's move away from bunting or actually we might keep talking about bunting because i want to talk <laughs> about shifting uh in they there was a little bit of shifting in the game that we watched mm-hmm. yesterday but not no over shifting i don't think i ever saw a fielder on the opposite side of the base the furthest i had seen was against a left-handed batter the shortstop's playing behind second base and this yeah. was with a runner with a runner on first even so like preserving the potential for a double play then um yeah and and then you look at the major leagues nowadays it's insane how much these these <laughs> players shift and it works they players hit into the shift <laughs> so freaking much and i just don't understand i just don't understand how you know like what do you what do you mean you don't understand how just for clarification i don't i don't even know what i'm saying like like because... like, like how guys haven't learned to beat the shift no well there's yet, that's or... partially it but then also like yeah i guess that's it it's like you know i'm still gonna try to just hit the ball as hard as i can at the you know at the desired angle like i'm gonna i'm gonna hit like there's nobody on the field and just hit the ball hard good things happen but then you know there's the the shifts are just absurd now you know it's not even just (laughs) for lefties and you have a second baseman 30 feet into right field with with right-handed batters there's like three guys to the like to the left of where yeah, a the pull shortstop would be 20 feet to the left field side of second base yeah and the, the right first row. baseman's playing like halfway between first and second base <laughs> yeah. and it just it baffles me that either in in either direction it's either how have the hitters not adjusted and the other way is like how have fielders not been doing this earlier like how how has this only been a development of the last decade because this well, why, is so why is, effective. why is it only a trend in the last decade because they're i mean they're they're doing it for everybody shifts. like let's no, exa- say, like exactly. andrelton simmons such a trend now is they... probably like the, the one of the most you know contact oriented hitters extremely low strikeout rate doesn't hit doesn't try to hit for power really and the, i saw the twins put a a three, a, a very harsh three man on the left side infield shift against him. And I think he beat it one of the times that, that he watched in the game that I was watching. But when you're doing it against that kind of hitter, you're doing it against everybody, right? Yeah, no, I mean, the twins shift a lot and also weren't very good at the shift, <laughs> if that's a skill you can have, because Albert Rules beat it three times. Well, um, no, well. You know, I don't know if that's so much being uninformed with their shifting and putting guys in the wrong spot. I think well, that's it, it was, more, um, a, a more a case of the Angels making a conscious effort to beat the shift. The game that I watched, they they hit probably four balls to the opposite field in the same inning, and they scored two or three this, runs. Was this was this Monday night? It may have been. Monday? I can't remember. Yeah, so I was watching the game too. Mm-hmm. Um. Adrianza was the second baseman up the middle. He was reading pitches, and he would jump one way or the other based on the pitch call. Mm. So he jumps to his left, assuming the guy's going to be later on a fastball, to his right on a breaking ball. 
he jumped to his left on a fastball call. Pujols hit it right where he was standing and got a hit. He jumped to the right on a uh, slider call. Pujols hit it to the right, just to the right field side of second base, and Adrianza was just out of his reach because he jumped an extra five feet to his right. So that's what I mean by the Twins. Or like, like they're changing their shift pitch by pitch, and not very many hard hit ground balls are getting through because they they really are playing percentages of the pitch selection. But yeah, continue. Yeah, I mean, so this is this is what we observed basically. We haven't said anything that useful, uh, but to kind of wrap <laughs> up the whole discussion is. Is it more desirable to have a player who can be versatile be versatile and beat the shift, who can control where on the field that they're hitting the ball, or does it not matter? Are we just gonna live with the changes in in the game and just, you know, well, hit more fly balls? Which is what's happening anyway. Right? Yeah. Hitting it over the shift is like you can try to still um, hit the ball as hard as you possibly can and you know catch the ball in front do all do all the things that you have to do right as a hitter but then like in cases where you're beat right it's you know you're either going to swing and miss or you're just going to hit it right into the shift there's there's players out there that do a very good job of hitting it where nobody is right it's it, yeah, it exists. I mean, the skill exists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can tell you one thing: beating the shift is better than into the shift. Um, but uh, um, I see what yeah, you did there. It's yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's. I think it's more of an enhancement of a player if they can show they can beat the shift. Not necessarily. We prefer guys who can like it's like it's it's weird because they want guys who hit a lot of home runs and it's hard to really spray the ball and hit enough home runs um not a lot of guys can do it off of power is very difficult um driving the ball the opposite way is often like just just taking a hitter's approach if you think i'm going to drive the ball the other way um it's very hard to all of a sudden you know try and Pull, pull the ball with any strength a lot of guys you see hit the ball the opposite way like i said they're just late <laughs> and they make contact and hit yeah. it um the the conscious opposite field approach is kind of uh gone away from major league baseball um but, but I, mean, I don't know that it's... it has either because there is still such a conscious effort to let the ball, because you have to see the ball as deep as humanly yes. possible to to avoid looking absolutely ridiculous on a good slider or curveball or yeah. changeup. Because I mean, you do see those those swings like that. But if you ever wonder why major leaguers aren't flailing at every single pitch that they they're incorrect on, it's because they they have to try. They have to see it to for fire. You know, as long to, as they can. Yeah it's it's how yeah. it's how they they have to do it that way and as a result like you'll hit balls to the opposite field because you're you're late on you know fastballs you're able to react in time yeah it's, i mean i'm not saying there's a multitude the there's a multitude of way. reasons and you know there are still players who who try to hit the ball to the opposite field it definitely still exists um 
because it yeah. helps them stay back in the ball. And, you know, there's lots of reasons for it. Um, but, you know, you'd think that every now and then, like, you know, I, Joey Gallo has been just crushing the ball, but, you know, somebody like him who's getting overshifted every single time would just say, I'm just going to, like, even if I shatter my bat, just try to hit the ball to that side of the field and I might get a double out of it, you know? Like, yeah, that's that's kind of how it is now. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Cody, Cody Ballinger, who's, he might not be over 400 anymore. He's right around 400 this late in May. Um, he has a he has a lot of infield hits because um, well he's super fast. I mean, he, he's super fast, and a lot of it is a two strike approach. He's not swinging for the fences with two strikes. He gets a you know a ninety five mile an hour fastball on the outside corner. He essentially turns into a, a slap hitter, chops at a shortstop, and he and he beats the and he beats the throw out because he is so fast. Not saying everybody can be like Cody Ballinger because can't teach speed, but um, it's certainly. It's that kind of hybrid approach that he has, which has contributed to his fantastic start to the season, and he's still hitting a lot of home runs. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what you're definitely is the the hybrid approach. It's it's not all or nothing. It's it's somewhere in between, because Bellinger yeah. definitely has at bats where he goes up to the plate and it's not trying to hit a home run. There are so many at bats like that that I've seen, mm-hmm. and it's impressive. And, and, and it's. You know, in the picture, and to kind of go back, we didn't really kind of wrap up like college and pro difference between shifts. We we're talking about that. I think it comes down to data. In, yeah, in the they, pros, they they don't have a lot of data. You're in the right. pro in the pros, you have thirty teams. You know who you're playing. You have all, you have all the data you want on those guys through all their minor league games, just on spray charts. Um, and then when they get to the pros, you have their Statcast data. In in college. Especially you know Division Two, like we saw, you in postseason. There's so many possibility of teams you can play. Um, you know, you have your conference teams that you might know. Okay, this guy does this, this guy does that. But it's you. There's just not enough data. You can you you know. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of tape on guys. <laughs> yeah. Let alone uh, actual spray charts on guys. So I think that that's why. You don't see massive overshifts because they don't have the percentages. They say, "Okay, this guy's pull, so we just—he's not going to hit down the third base line. We'll move over there." But yeah, you don't have like, "Okay, no, you got to play there because that's where he hits forty-five percent of his balls." Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's all it's all data on the on that end. Yeah, and I was a little bit curious about how the increase in usage of the shift has affected Babbitt in gen- like as a trend in the league. Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't all that much. Like right now, in this very young season, it's the lowest league-wide BABIP um, of this. I'm just searching since 2000. Um, it's 292 right now, and like you know, the the higher end of that will only range to like three 303 is the highest end in like 2007 mm-hmm. yeah but it's so, not like it's not it's, it has nothing to do with the shift yeah. apparently because yeah, so when you, yeah, like so 2002 when you and 2003 lowest. had low were the next lowest so that was you know not okay. really in the shift era so yeah. it, it doesn't really I mean, maybe if i look with different filters and on batted ball data and things yeah. like that but i mean you just you you think of that how random baseball is a about a 10 point span in babip over almost 20 years shows just kind of I mean, it's not affected by much. And as you mentioned, it's not like it's trending down. No, so, it's not. You know, it's 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 really nothing to 
to gather yeah. info. I was just curious about it, and it really is. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to be curious about because, I mean, it, it essentially turns into, like, is um, is BABIP, you know, worthwhile stat to look at? And that consistency shows that it is. It's It still, you know, tells what you think it's going to tell you. Yeah, it's so easy to look at individual cases. Like Bryce Harper last year, his batted ball data was very good, but he hit into the shift so much that it really it really affected him, you know? There was mm-hmm. a lot of hard contact that resulted in outs that probably, you know, if you're looking yeah. at expected batting average based on batted ball data would be different. But then there's the shift. There's always something else to think about. So that is where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, if you have any strong feelings about college versus pro baseball or the shift Fight or us. bunting, then uh, then let us know what you think because we're just two people in this, in this Come world. At us. And, yeah, there's probably a lot of people who think much differently than, than either of us think. So we want to hear about that. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram uh, at BeatTheShiftBP. Those are good places to, uh, to get in touch with us and see what we're up to. And if you enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate, comment, and subscribe. Check out our website, BeatTheShiftBaseball. At G- uh, that's our email address, BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing, Ray. Don't worry. And, yeah, we... we uh, have a lot of good stuff there all our podcasts uh, very slow on the the writing but there are articles and game of thrones is almost things. over we'll be on it oh yeah well oh, god don't 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 bring up don't game get thrones, it we started man. on that don't get me started it's we've gone long enough just go Move <laughs> on. just just go all right thank you everybody for joining us as always ray peace